0: Winning's hard. Really, really hard. All right, we are back with another edition of the Winning is Hard podcast. Cameron Parker, Westcott, Everts. Westcott, you know what's not hard for Steve Sarkisian right now? And that seems to be recruiting, despite going on the worst losing streak in Texas football history in quite some time. Yeah, you know, I think
1: during that losing streak, the big concern was the type of impact that that would have long-term on the Texas program, specifically as it related uh, to recruiting. But, um, you know, after the big-time weekend uh, that Texas had, I think it's safe to say that, um, you know, the staff has been able to find um, a pitch that's worked for them, and um, they've definitely gotten a little bit of help with the way things have uh, worked out in in a couple of recruitments as well.
0: Yeah, so the big one, of course, last night was Quinn Yours, the five-star. And we can – get to him in a second but I think the, the two biggest pulls before that of course were Kelvin Banks and Cam Williams both of course Oregon commitments but with Mario Cristobal going to Miami for some reason despite that cluster down in South Beach to opened the door up for Banks and Williams to reopen their recruitments and Sarkeesian and Kyle Flood did a great job of pulling in two offensive linemen especially offensive linemen that and um, in a class that was struggling with offensive linemen I've I think despite um, the Westlake offensive lineman, I believe Connor Robertson is his name, Um, but getting Banks and Williams, I think might be just as big as getting yours, in my opinion. Yeah,
1: certainly that's, uh, you know, one of the biggest program needs for Texas. I think, um, you know, certainly uh, Steve Sarkeesian opened up the quarterback competition because of the inconsistency uh, Casey Thompson, um, much of that perhaps related to his thumb. Hudson Card, uh, maybe with youth, but you know to really be able to fix the quarterback position, um, you know one thing that Texas needed to do was shore up the offensive line, especially after the big misses last year under Herb hand with some very talented prospects that Texas wasn't able to land. weren't even able to land numbers. Only took two offensive linemen in that class. Uh, really put a lot of pressure on that group um this year for kyle flood to come in and be able to have a big impact on the recruiting trail he did land cole hudson and connor robertson early uh, two of the lower rated guys that they were targeting that was kind of just kind of the uh the baseline for the class just get those guys in the fold who were willing to make earlier decisions uh banks and williams of course committed Oregon in early July after taking official visits to Texas and, you know, frankly, I think, you know, Kyle Flood needs to send a gift basket uh, to Mario Cristobal once he gets set up in South Beach because you know, that had a tremendous impact um, on Texas being able to land those guys. Texas had stayed in contact. Kelvin um, Banks had been on campus uh, pretty recently. They were able to get both of those guys on campus this weekend. And, you know, I think there's a, a chance that Texas Might have been able to land both of those guys, um, but I'm not sure that they would have been able uh, to land both of them in quite the way that they did uh, without that coaching change at Oregon. And And
0: you had a good tweet about it, but Banks was the highest rated offensive lineman prospect to commit to Texans since since 2007, right? Yeah, Trey Allen. And then uh, Mason Walters uh, was fairly close
1: out of the Lubbock area in 2009. And, you know, I, I think one thing that's gonna be really important, of course, is, is how Texas, um, you know, develops those guys. There's been some some major misses even, you know, especially in one of the best recruiting classes that Texas has had along the offensive line in the last decade, uh, the 2013 group headlined by guys like Darius James, Desmond Harrison, uh, Kent Perkins and, and Jake Rollerson. Uh, most of those guys didn't really pan out for Texas. Uh, Kent Perkins, you know, the guy that really stuck around and played Um, ended up inside, was kind of an inconsistent starter. Um, So, you know, Texas really needs Kelvin Banks to be the guy that that they thought he was going to be. You know, if you you look back at the, you know, the last few years of of the Texas offensive line development, you know, it's been some of the lower rated guys like Connor Williams and Sam Cosme who have really um, exceeded their expectations. I would maybe even put, you know, Derek Kerstetter into that group. Um, And some of the more highly rated guys that, you know, they've had, haven't developed. And, you know, Texas needs Kelvin Banks to be the player that, that they've recruited him to be, which is a guy who could potentially contribute early. Um, at one of the tackle positions has the versatility to play inside a guard. And, you know, Cam Williams at 6'5", um, 6'6", six, 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 I've seen him listed, um, you know, as tall as six seven, uh, about 350, 360 pounds, just a massive dude. Um, moves really well for his size and, and fits the mold of what Kyle Flood wants in an offensive lineman um, I'm not sure that he has the same capability of, of playing early, and you know, certainly that's never ideal for the offensive lineman to do that. But, um, you know, both those guys are, are going to be at the top of the list of, of players that this Texas staff needs to develop for the next couple of
0: years. Yeah, currently committed to Texas right now from the offensive line. Kelvin Banks, of course, Cole Hudson. I forgot about Cole Hudson, but Cole Hudson, Cam Williams, and then, of course, um, Connor Robertson, but there is some speculation that Kyle Flood hashtag Flood watch is not done yet. There's been some rumors that uh, the five star offensive lineman Devin Campbell from Bowie up in Arlington, Texas is now leaning towards Texas and I think I don't know if it was you or someone from the Burn Orange Nation had <laughs> tweeted uh, that Devin Campbell would be the highest rated recruit in the last 25 minutes to commit to Texas if he does choose UT uh, how big how big would would Campbell be I mean you know we, we get one five star offensive lineman you know it's like oh that's incredible but now we might get two Yeah well, Campbell's been a guy
1: that Texas got in on really early I think that made a big difference in his recruitment I think in addition to that, he he seems like he's always had an affinity for Texas. I think, um, you know, as this offensive line um, recruiting cycle developed, I think Campbell was always a guy that everybody had circled at the top of their list. is is really you know, musket player. Um, he seems like he's he's you know, really a pretty pure interior prospect at six three or so, uh, what he's listed at. Um, so that decreases his value a little bit, but. I think it certainly speaks to his talent that, um, you know, he could be ranked number 10 in the country um, in the 24 seven sports composite rankings as a pretty pure guard because, you know, that's, that's a little bit unusual. Um, It did seem like, you know, he had some interest in in Oklahoma. Uh, He took a visit to USC over the summer before they made their coaching change. And so there's some thought that, that he might, um, you know, be interested in in Lincoln Riley out at, out at USC, Um, Alabama made a late run got him on campus for an official visit in October. And um, there's talk that, that Georgia was making a push for him as well. I think it was good news for Texas that he ended up uh, not making that trip to Athens. And um, I think, you know, some of this recruiting momentum should really help uh, Texas solidify there. And then, um, you know, that gives them, you know, kind of not the final piece, but, um, you know, the last really important piece that they needed to add, um, Malik Agbo, Uh, from the Seattle area that's set to make his decision on Wednesday. Um, You know, he's considering Oklahoma as well. Um, With the coaching change, that's certainly, you know, it's helped Texas. Um, You know, so it wasn't just Mario Cristobal, but, you know, Lincoln Riley taking that job out at USC. And, of course, Bill Bedenbaugh, his offensive line coach at at Oklahoma, is very um, well-regarded. I think, um, you know, some of that, some of those changes really help, you know, Texas in, in their head-to-head battles with, you know, Oklahoma Agbo's considering them. Uh, Miami with the coaching change as well um, was also in its top four. So, you know, that may really be, you know, a Texas and Auburn battle. And I think that, you know, a lot of the momentum is, is really favoring Texas. Um, he's another massive guy. Um, almost six six, uh, somewhere above 320, maybe 330 pounds. You know, another big-bodied guy that that really fits what Kyle Flood wants. And so, you know, I think if Texas can close with Devin Campbell and, and Malik Agbo, uh, they'll have six players in the in the class, and they'll address um, some of those number issues that that developed. You know, as we mentioned, with only taking two players uh, last year at the position, um, and then give you know Texas really you know the upside that Kyle Flood can try to tap into as yeah, Texas uh, looks to build their offensive line in the uh, Steve Sarkeesian era.
0: If Campbell and Agbo pop to Texas, where does this rank for best offensive lineman classes in Texas recruiting history?
1: I think in the, in the modern recruiting era, um, which goes back to uh, you know, 1999, 2000 there, where when Rivals was getting started, um, I think it probably ranks near the top, if not at the top, especially you know with all six of those guys. so. Um, there's going to be a lot of expectations on these guys and um you know steve sarkisian has made a big bet um you know bringing kyle flood with them they work together in with the falcons as well as um you know with alabama you know that's his guy hope they had had great things to say about him he was certainly you know uh, an impressive reclamation project maybe not even a reclamation project but um you know a six-year player who was you know somehow ended up being a developmental prospect and uh, becoming a guy who'd really been you know a non contributor for 5 years uh, was able to step in due to injuries and and play some fairly consistent football for Texas down the stretch so you know if the trajectory of Tope Amade this year um, if Kyle Flood can pull that off uh, with some of these offensive line recruits, then, you know, I don't know that if it will be quite as good as the 2020 group at Alabama that won the Joe Moore Award as, as the best offensive line in the country and, and helped bring the national championship, another one back to Tuscaloosa, then, um, you know, it's certainly, um, you know, in, in that ballpark, if um, this group that Texas looks like they're putting together can come close to maximizing their potential.
0: Yeah, and on paper it looks great, right? The five stars, the four stars, the three stars. Getting getting six offensive linemen that come in in one class is incredible. But like you mentioned, it all comes down to coaching, right, and development, and we can go down the line. We can spend the last – we can spend a couple hours on this podcast just talking about all the different offensive line coaches that Texas has had and all the issues they've had developing these guys. There's been some success stories, Samuel Cosby, um, Connor Williams, I mean, even Trey Hopkins is is playing. I think he's playing a lot better than maybe most Texas fans would have thought starting at center for Cincinnati. But, you know, that could be more of he developed after leaving Texas versus developing at Texas. So Kyle Flood, like you mentioned, coming over with Sark, he's going to have his hands full, but it, it seems like he might be the best offensive line coach Texas has had in quite some time, and he is the man to lead this mission to kind of reconstruct his offensive line and bring back the offensive lines that you know we we used to see we used to see at Texas, you know, early 21st century.
1: Can you name all the offensive line coaches since Macklin Porter?
0: <sighs> uh, well, Herb Hand, Joe Wickline, so that's two. Um, Give it to me. I'm like, okay, let me let me guess the number. Um, four? I think it's five. Stacy
1: Stacy Searles replaced yeah. Um Joe Wickline came in. Um, Joe Wickline left. They brought in um, Matt Maddox. Came in with Sterling Gilbert from Tulsa. They had to go. Uh, you know, call in the call in the president, the athletic director, to go fetch them from. From the yep. Hurricane program. Um, Derek <laughs> first year under Tom Herman, then Herb Hand, and, and now Kyle Flood. So, um, you know, for all the, the staff changes that Texas has had and the lack of continuity, um, offensive line coaches has, has been, you know, right there at the top. And so I, I think there isn't any question. And certainly, Jill Wickline and Herb Hand were both pretty well considered. Um, I think Herb Hand, some of that was his relationship with the media, perhaps inflating his ability a little bit. Um, you know, But I, I think, you know, certainly given, um, you know, the failures of, of both of those guys at, at Texas, um, you know, Kyle Flood really has the best res- resume and it, it wasn't, um, you know, a superlative coaching job this year, um, I don't think, but, you know, given what he was working with and, and the issues with the season, he's, he's done his work on the recruiting trail and, and now he can uh, put himself in a position where he can have more success than some of his predecessors did.
0: So looking ahead to 2022, Texas on the offensive line will be losing Kerstetter, I believe, Denzel Okafor, and then Topi Imade. So three, correct? Do I have that right? Yeah. So coming in, you're going to have a couple five stars potentially in, in Banks and Devin Campbell. Do you see any of these 2022 recruits coming in starting? From day one, starting at all throughout the season? I think it might be
1: possible for Kelvin Banks. Um, I think he would, he would probably be the best bet. I think Texas is in really a fairly decent shape. And, and to be honest, I wouldn't really, you know, certainly the, the staff was selling Banks on, on coming in and playing early. Um, I'm not sure that I would really bet on that. I think, you know, Texas is in an interesting position because, you know, they've had. They've had two guys who played some at tackle, and, and Christian Jones, and uh, Andre Carrick. Uh, certainly, both of those guys were up and down this season. Um, Hayden Connor, maybe the most promising um, young prospect among the offensive linemen, um, true freshman who came in. Um, you know, it's kind of in the mix there at right tackle and guard position. I thought he played pretty well in some of his limited action. Uh, Junior Ongolau said to come back, He'll anchor one of the guard spots. Um, and then, of course, Jake Majors, you know, at center, a guy who I think has still has some um, untapped upside there as well. So, you know, Texas really has the, the makings of, you know, kind of a, a, a five-man rotation. that they'll, they'll need to fill in some of those spots. They might look at, um, you know, some guys in the portal. I don't think that they really wanted that to become public while they were still – Recruiting these offensive linemen, they're talking about having the potential to play early. um I think, you know, adding, you know, maybe a swing player um, who could allow Christian, you know, a guy who could put maybe, you know, a Calvin Anderson type, you know, who could play left tackle to allow Christian Jones and Andre Carrick to move back to the right side, or perhaps even just a swing player who could, um, you know, play guard and tackle for Texas uh, to build a little bit of depth. But you know, it'll be interesting to see what happens because. You know, I'm not sure that there's, you know, really any obvious, you know, spots that are opening up that don't have somebody who contributed this year. So, you know, that could complicate things a little bit as they try to sell guys in the portal.
0: Yeah, only only one upperclassman next year. Now, of course, COVID and extra year has kind of changed that. But um, Christian Jones is slated to be a junior next year. So he'd be the only upperclassman. So... It kind of it makes sense for them to add someone in the transfer portal. But a sidebar in that, have you you probably have noticed over the past? I don't know if it's a Cristel Conte thing, if it's a Sarkeesian thing, but there's not a lot of, of there's not a lot of talk coming out of the Texas football program. Not a lot of leaks, it seems like. Not unless they're trying to leak it themselves. But it seems like everything's been very tidy and quiet as opposed to the Herman era. And there there could be you know, a lot going on with the Herman era, but it seems like Del Conte, maybe it's just Sark and the way he likes to run his football program, that there's just we don't really hear anything. It's just all, you know, speculation. Yeah, I think there may have been some
1: alignment breakdowns towards the end of the Tom Herman era there. And you know, certainly sure. not a lot of a lot of people, you know, perhaps even on the staff, uh, you know, in the locker room, there definitely wasn't with was some of the negative recruiting that was going on um you know around this time last year um but you know just to kind of go back to the transfer portal you know one guy who i think you know really fits that calvin anderson mold that i mentioned is uh, mason brooks western kentucky transfer played in 42 games there he was a two star out of cedar park another one of these offensive linemen who is under underweight coming out listed at 6'6 255 pounds uh but he's been an all, all-conference performer um, from Western Kentucky, and you know he's a guy who could really, um, you know, help Texas out at, at the tackle position, and you know just like Calvin Anderson was from Westlake, uh, Mason Brooks went to Cedar Park from the Austin area, uh, may be interested in, in returning home, and, and you know that's certainly one of the names that that stands out as you know potentially one that the Texas staff is trying to keep under wraps until after Wednesday when they can get this offensive line group on.
0: Also, Curtis Dunlap, a former Minnesota Golden Gopher, he's in the Transfer Portal. According to 247's uh, Transfer Portal page, whatever you want to call it, he's crystal balled to Texas, too, as a guard as well, and he's he's a three-star. Also, uh, Willie Tyler, back in the Transfer Portal. <laughs> it's been quite a journey for Willie Tyler, man. Uh, so as is uh, UT uh, UT headshot, as is a uh, picture on two four seven. So maybe he could come back to Texas. Why not? You know,
1: that'd be quite a circle for him. Um, get get to the Mullet news.
0: Yeah, that's probably the the biggest news. Um, it was starting to boil over. It wasn't like a, a sudden drop. I think the way Twitter was reacting. Um, it was kind of building up to Texas, especially on Saturday, when I think every recruit in the state of Texas was on campus. Even Sam Ellinger was on campus. I mean, probably Finch Young and Earl Campbell were on campus, considering who was all there. But um, I guess how how shocked were you at the Ewers news? And um, yeah, we'll just start. Let's just start with there.
1: Yeah. Well, I don't think it was it was shocking at all. Um, you know, certainly to kind of recap for everyone, you know, if if Quinn Ewers committing to Texas uh, felt familiar, it's because it's happened before, um, not that long ago. Uh the Herman era got a big injection of optimism last year in August, August of 2020, when Ewers a little bit unexpectedly um committed on a Friday afternoon to Texas, uh really sent some shockwaves to the college football recruiting world. Um, you know, he was rated, I guess you would say, you know, one, 1,000 by 24, seven sports. The only other quarterback who has received that rating in the history of their rankings. Um, of course, Vince young, kind of okay. retroactively, <laughs> since 24 seven sports didn't exist in 2005. Um, you know, other guys, Trevor Lawrence, uh, Justin Fields were very close there, but you know viewers considered a, a once in, you know a, you know really a, a generational uh, talent as a passer, extremely accurate, uh, has good mobility, can make all the off-platform throws, um, great touch on his passes, enough arm strength uh, to make all the throws that you want. you know coming from South Lake Carrolls received great coaching, um, excellent training as well. Um, you know, after, You know, the early season losses for Texas last year and the the Tom Herman era um, started to kind of come apart at the seams, he was decommitted. um, Chose to take more of a sure thing in a program in Ohio State, Uh, certainly a decision that a lot of highly rated Texas football players have been making in the past few years. Um, Ultimately, he decided, um, you know, back in August after the NI N.I. NIL deals came online. Uh, he was going to reclassify to the 2021 class, showed up on campus in Columbus. Um, and ultimately, CJ Stroud won that job very convincingly as a redshirt freshman. Yours um, was fourth on the depth chart, only moved up to third when a, a quarterback in front of him had an arrest for an operating vehicle um, while he was impaired. And, and kind of during that period, there's a lot of discussion about whether yours might enter the transfer portal. Um, Steve Sarkeesian had done some work to build a relationship uh, with viewers after he arrived last year, um, ultimately wasn't able to gain a lot of traction, but you know, as you saw with a guy like Xavier Worthy with the transfer portal now, and the, the one-time waiver, um, you know, maintaining those relationships with players that you've recruited is, is more important than it's ever been because they can pay off and then landing a talent like yours. And so, um, you know, about 10 days ago, he entered the NCAA transfer portal after all those rumors had been swirling, you know, he visited Texas Tech, TCU quickly. TCU kind of got eliminated uh, fairly shortly thereafter. Joey McGuire, now at Texas Tech, was able to generate some momentum. Patrick Mahomes was involved there. They hired the prolific offensive coordinator from uh, Western Kentucky, um, Zach, Zach McKidley. Um, and then, um, you know, kind of during the week, it was, you know, the momentum seemed to be building towards Texas, hewards grew up. I'm a Texas fan. It just seemed like a a situation that made a lot of sense. And that, um, you know, he was really just, you know, looking for enough reason to to come play football on the 40 acres. As you mentioned, he was um, in town this weekend, big recruiting weekend for Texas, even with some 2023 guys, wide receiver, John Cook from DeSoto, uh, linebacker, Anthony Jones uh, from Ben Ryan, where Texas, you know, has been able to have some success recently. Um, You know, so a lot of, you know a lot of the the future of the program, the potential future of the program, was on campus. Steve Sarkeesian in a video that came out, you know, was talking about winning championships. Uh, Ewers bought into it, and now, you know, he'll be on campus this spring, and, and you know has a chance to be a, a program-changing player. And that's, you know, certainly what Texas really needs him to be, um, to be able to solidify the quarterback position, and you know make sure that Xavier Worthy doesn't have all these plays where. The quarterbacks leaving touchdowns on the field when he's wide open by not being able to get in the football
0: an interesting nugget with the yours recruitment is and i don't know how much it impacted i don't have any inside information on this but devin brown of course the four-star quarterback from utah class of 2022 texas was after him he committed to ohio state two weeks ago maybe and just i just wonder if brown Commits to Texas. I don't, don't, this probably won't even change anything with yours, but it's interesting how the dominoes kind of fell that Brown goes to Ohio state. A few weeks later, yours announces he's going to transfer and then yours ends up at Texas. So there's a a scenario where Texas just has Malik Murphy coming in along with Devin Brown. Maybe they go to the transfer portal for somebody else and and yours, maybe stays at Ohio state or, or doesn't come to Texas.
1: Yeah. Well, I have to imagine that, Devin Brown had some idea that Quinn Ewers was leaving. Um, certainly, you know, the rumors and the speculation were, were out there. Um, it didn't seem like something that happened out of nowhere. I suspect the Ohio State staff was, you know, aware of some of those discussions taking place and, you know, were able to sell that spot on the depth chart to Devin Brown. They also had, you know, McCord, the, the guy who got arrested, he was in front of Ewers. He entered the transfer portal as well. Um. So certainly, you know, some openings on, on that depth chart. And, you know, I, I just think behind the scenes, everybody had enough of an idea that was, you know, about what was going on, that, that it was I think always going to be unlikely for Brown to end up at, at Texas and, and Ewers to either stick at Ohio State or, or,
0: you know, go somewhere else when, you know, that kind of chess piece was, was on the table for Texas. And Ewers coming to Texas – not only big because of like you mentioned he could be a, a program changing player but also because of his ability to recruit other high school athletes to come to Texas what, what are some what are some guys that you know you're kind of looking at that yours may help bring in to the 40 acres you know, I think you know Campbell and Agbo are, are really at the top of
1: that list in the 2022 class um, you know some other guys who are still on the board for for Texas Xavion uh, Bryce guy who could play, you know, uh, defensive backer or wide receiver, currently committed to Oklahoma. He's set to make his decision on Wednesday. Um, you know, outside possibilities, maybe guys like Armani Winfield, the former committed, kind of expected to end up at Michigan State. Uh, after his recent decommitment, Evan Stewart, one-time Texas commit, currently committed to Texas A&M. Um, I think that's less likely. So, um, you know, most probably, um, Viewers will have more of an impact on the 2023 class, especially given, you know, the condensed um, timetable here with uh, early signing day um, looming on Wednesday, not very much time for players to really wrap their heads around it. You know, I I think in the 2022 class, it may help anybody who is on the fence really solidify the deal for them, as as I think it's probably done to some extent um, for Devin Campbell. Uh, But really, you know, 2023, you know, John Tate Cook is is a big-time player and a big-time target. He seems like a guy who likes Texas. Um, Jalen Hale, the Longview wide receiver, is another one who might, you know, really fit in that list. Um, Ruben Owens, the running back, one-time Texas commit as well. He was on campus, I believe, on Sunday. Um, He seems like a guy... He seems like, you know, a guy who you know, maybe looking for an excuse to get back in the fold, given his, you know, affinity for Texas as well. Um, you know, so really, I think the biggest impacts are going to be seen in the in the 2023 class uh, for Quinn Ewers really becoming a recruiting role-maker for the Longhorns. Yeah,
0: 2023 is loaded with in-state prospects and I think it's gonna this is gonna be a really big season for Sark. There's a lot of can't miss product or can miss prospects excuse me, like Anthony Hill Junior, uh Denton, Denton linebacker. He was on campus Saturday. Uh, he's an incredible guy prospect. I watched him play high school football a few weeks ago, and he, he's huge. He's six foot two, but he can do everything. He plays running back in receiver form. That's a big uh, prospect coming up. You have a couple big uh, cornerbacks, too, as well. Ruben Owens, of course, the running back from El Campo. Uh, Javian to- Toviani, I hope I'm saying that right, from Martin. He's crystal ball to Texas. Um, Jalen Hill from Longview, like you mentioned. I think uh, Oklahoma right now in front in, in that race, but that's something that could change with with viewers so it'll be interesting to see you know how how this shakes out because I remember when you was committed um, under Tom Herman one of the big things outside of holy crap we just got a five-star quarterback was he's gonna be able to do some damage for Texas recruiting wise and so um, losing him for for the Herman season uh, I'm sure did not help Tom Herman, did him do any favors, but of course that's a, another podcast for another time. But um, it seems like with the, the way Texas has momentum going forward right now with yours, with getting all these offensive linemen, potentially getting Campbell and Agbo and maybe a few receivers, um, Texas could be in, in a really good spot considering, um, let's see, a month ago. Actually, a month ago on this date, Texas lost to Kansas in overtime.
1: Yeah. What a thought. How about instead of talking about that, um, a little factoid, in the 24-7 composite rankings, uh, 28 players in the state of Texas were ranked in the top 150 nationally. Um, so, you know, you mentioned um, – you know, a really strong recruiting class. Um, You know, I think the parallel obviously for Texas is the 2019 recruiting class for Tom Herman. That was a year when he ended up having to go out of state. Steve Sarkeesian will not have to do that this year to land a top three recruiting class like Herman did. And I think by not relying on so many out-of-state players, I think that's, you know, one way that Texas could really um, be able to minimize some of the massive levels of attrition Uh, that really cratered that 2019 class.
0: Yeah, looking at the 2019 class, and I I know there's been tweet threads, and we probably talked about it on the podcast, but out out of the 10 players that committed in that 2019 class, only Jordan Whittington will be on the roster next year, I believe, right? Out of the top 10 players in the class? Yeah. Yeah, that sounds right. It's been a disaster. But... Maybe things can change Um, optimistic, cautiously optimistic going forward. But with the yours notes, now let's talk about um, the quarterback competition for next year because um, yours won't be starting from day one. Automatically, right? You got Casey Thompson, who led the Big Twelve in passing touchdowns, despite not being able to grip a football properly since the Oklahoma game. You have Hudson Carr coming back. Um, you know who knows what Sark thinks of Hudson Carr, but obviously didn't have a a lot of confidence considering Casey Thompson was starting. Even when he wasn't 100%. You have Malik Murphy coming in who just won a state championship. I think a lot of people have forgotten about Malik Murphy, but it's not set in stone that Ewers is automatically going to be the day one start.
1: No, no question about that. Um, you know, Sar- Sarkeesian was very clear that he opened up the quarterback competition. Um, that was really a message to guys like Quinn Ewers, I think. Um, certainly Malik Murphy as well. Um, Murphy's an interesting guy because, you know, he's, he's got a little bigger frame, just kind of he has some of the effortless delivery that that Quinn Ewers has with the ball, really jumping out of his hands, can make all the throws. I think a little bit, a little bit uh, better arm strength uh, than Quinn Ewers probably, and, and really, you know, his he was viewed as when he committed last February as a developmental product because California hadn't had his junior season football yet. And he had sat behind a talented quarterback for his first two years. So when he committed to Texas, he hadn't made his first varsity start. Since then, uh, Junipero Juniper, uh struggled a little bit during the spring. You know, had a little bit of a rough start this year. Uh, Murphy was banged up. I think he had like a clavicle or, or shoulder injury or something. Um, and then they they really took off. And so I think the the amount of development that has happened, um, you know, in the last ten months. Or so for Malik Murphy it has really been remarkable. And, you know, if he can continue that trajectory once he gets to Texas, uh, when he gets into this quarterback competition, um, you know, he could really make it close. And I think Casey Thompson and Hudson Card now have some difficult decisions to make. Um, you know, Thompson, because his eligibility clock is starting to run down, he strikes me as a kid who is you know, who would be willing to stick it out. Of course, you know, he had to wait for his turn. Um, Didn't jump into the transfer portal when he initially lost the job to Hudson Card. You know, that certainly, you know, worked out for him uh, despite the thumb injury. And, um, you know, I think the guy who really uh, maybe on the outside looking in out of that group is Hudson Card with that kind of vote of no confidence that Sarkeesian gave him late in the year. You know, after he was impressed enough with whatever Card was doing in practice that narrowly won the starting job. <coughs> Quickly benched after his meltdown in the Arkansas game, saw those issues, you know, with his pocket presence resurface. Um, really struggled to make the type of throws that he made in high school. That you know we were led to believe that he made in practice last year. Um, that he apparently made in in practice enough to win the starting quarterback job. When he had the touchdown pass to Xavier Worthy late in the year. Uh, maybe his only really superlative throw that he's had in the Texas uniform now and so um, you know I think he may be the
0: best bet of all those guys to uh, not be a part of this program in spring yeah card looked decent against West Virginia I thought it was probably the best game he'd played looked throwing the ball and that he got injured couldn't finish the game really and then of course he didn't play against Kansas State so if card is a hundred percent for those last two games um, who knows what happens? But, yeah, I, I agree. I think if anyone's going to transfer in the spring, I would say Hudson Carr. If anyone's going to transfer next fall, it would be Casey Thompson if he doesn't start. But um, it's going to be an interesting quarterback battle. I'm trying to yeah. think of the last time Texas had this much talent at a quarterback position going in to spring with Murphy, with Ewers on campus, Hudson Carr, Casey Thompson, and, of course, uh, Ben Ballard, Hyde Park legend. We got Charles Wright, who uh, you know clearly has a lot of work to do if he's going to be
1: any part of the uh, quarterback competitions at, at Texas in the near future. After he lost his spot on the depth chart to Ballard, you know, Austin on Austin battle won by the walk-on there. Um, I think you know one of the big considerations for uh, both Thompson and Card is that they're much better off if they leave. Um, you know, in the next couple of weeks, find a destination get involved in the winter conditioning program at their new school, go through spring practice, Um, you know, especially for a guy like Thompson, um, you know, being able to come in uh, during the summer and and win a a starting quarterback job, learning a new system, you know, it was a difficult task. I think he has the preparation ability and, and, you know, the the maturity and and the experience to pick up an offense quickly, Uh, but that certainly uh, wouldn't be an ideal position for him. So um, some tough discussions, that he had with um, those quarterbacks and, and Steve Sartesian and their families um, over the coming weeks. And, um, you know, Texas is all in on, on Quinn Ewers as the future of the quarterback position. There's a lot of pressure on him. Um,
0: we'll find out if, if he's the, uh, the talent that he's been made out to be. Yeah, I suspect that we're going to have some more Longhorn news coming out, obviously, this week, but regarding the quarterback position probably the next month or so. So, it'll be it'll be fun to watch uh, through spring ball. But let's wrap up on a little bit of breaking news West Scott uh, Jeff How 247 reporting that Texas is getting closer to hiring Gary Patterson this week regarding the possibility of the former TCU coach joining the defensive staff. Wow. Um, is there a um, uh Is it, like, potentially an analyst role that they're talking about? Not sure. Um, I'm I'm guessing it would – I don't know if it's analyst. It wouldn't be defensive coordinator, right? There's there's no way that – and I think, obviously, that that was the biggest thing was Patterson wanted to come in and, obviously, take over the defensive staff. But – I don't think Sarkeesian is comfortable with just going ahead and and throwing PK to the wolves and bringing in a new defensive coordinator. It would be the what the fourth different DC in the last five years. Yeah, so, I mean fourth and Patterson
1: would become the fourth in four years if uh, Texas Gill- goes ahead and makes that move. I think certainly at, you know towards the end of the year, everything that Steve Sarkeesian was saying pointed to Pete Kwiatkowski. Coming back, um, you know, talking about how he hasn't forgotten about how to coach, um, you know, talking about the, the lack of continuity there, kind of offering that up as, as an excuse or explanation for why the Texas defense struggled. Uh, depending on how you want to view that, um, I think you know, having Demarvin um, and Overshone and Deshaun Jameson and likely Anthony Cook coming back stabilizes that defense. Um, o- Ov Hofo. Off, also announced his return, um, you know, much more expected there as, as a fourth year junior, um, you know, not a, probably a, a draftable prospect, uh, right now going into the spring. Um, but you know, the thing with Gary Patterson is that he hasn't been in any position other than head coach for a very long time. He's has a bit of an authoritarian personality. Um, and he showed that he wasn't particularly flexible with how he dealt with some of the changes in college football over the last year and how that impacted his relationship with the players. So, you know, obviously one of the best defensive minds in the country, um, serious concerns about, you know, can Patterson play well with others? Um, I think certainly as a, as a defensive analyst, that's kind of a no brainer decision, anything more than that. I I think it's a little bit uh, more complicated. Um, but, um, You know, also some other breaking recruiting news right now, Uh, Cody McKenzie, one of the shorter uh, commitments that you'll see in college football, uh, decommitted from Oklahoma, he's a linebacker from Lubbock Cooper, decommitted from Oklahoma on the 28th of November in the immediate aftermath of Lincoln Riley leaving, committed to Texas on December 5th. That commitment has been imperiled ever since Brent Venables was hired Um, in recent days. And now that commitment from Cody McKenzie has lasted less than two weeks. Um, you know, putting some more pressure on, on Texas to be able to land um, another linebacker or two in this class. May need to go to the transfer portal. They offered UNLV's Jacoby Winman uh, last week. He's a guy that, that I really like as, you know, someone a little bit like McKenzie who could project either inside or on the edge. Certainly a guy more mature, has done it before in college football at, at a reasonably high level. Um, and then T.J. Dudley as well, a um, former uh, Florida commit. He's from um, Alabama, I believe, Mississippi, somewhere in the southeast. There, um, you know, I believe that he was on campus uh, this weekend visiting Texas. Um, so he's a guy that, that could be in the mix for them. But um, you know, Kobe McKenzie, uh, a definite loss uh, for Texas with his short-lived recruitment to the Longhorns.
0: Yeah, and real quick on Patterson, it is going to be some capacity as a defensive analyst – or assistant uh, I would, I would kind of think that maybe it's one year for Patterson to get on his feet you know while looking for other jobs I, I wouldn't expect him to remain at Texas for a long time and then McKinsey's commitment kind of makes sense you know Venables are really good hire great defensive mind um, I was more surprised that McKinsey committed so quickly after decommitting especially waiting for Oklahoma to hire their head coach um, you'd figure at least he would wait for him to, for them to fill that role, um, but yeah, back to Oklahoma. So definitely going to keep an eye out for what they do in the portal, Texas. That is. Yep, we had to finish here,
1: uh, going into to Wednesday on, on early signing day, and then um, you know depending on what type of prospects are, are left on the board at the position, I'm in a national signing day in February, which is uh, now a pretty low key event in uh, you know this modern era of the early signing period.
0: Okay, I think we don't have any more breaking news, so we, we've had t- <laughs> two big announcements coming in. Anyone else going to commit while we're talking? Um, but I think that wraps it up for uh, for today's podcast. Good discussion there, Wes Scott um, You want to talk about Zach Calzada in the transfer portal? There we go, too. Yeah, uh, that's not surprising. <laughs> um, does Evan Stewart decommit after that news? No. Uh, I mean, <laughs> probably not. <laughs> I don't think Zach Calzada is why he was planning on
1: hitting <laughs> yeah. the Texas game, but... One thing about Zach Calzada, he can throw a football over that mountain right there. So
0: yeah, maybe, Rico through
1: the maybe through the mountain. Even he's definitely <laughs> seeing him trying on the football field.
0: Well, hopefully next time I see you, Scott, your your mullet will be dyed blonde. Right now it's a little dark brown, <laughs> blackish. But uh, I gave it some shakes uh, last night for Quinn Ewers. <laughs> there we go. <laughs> I don't I don't have the hair to do that, but. <laughs> Well, Scott, good talking to you. Uh, everyone, thanks for listening. Winning is Hard podcast. Uh, we'll be back uh, in time for the Texas Bowl preview. Oh, wait, never mind. No Bowl preview. <laughs> they, they created a, a Frisco Bowl classic, whatever, Frisco football classic. Why can't they create something for Texas, right? Come on.
1: And Texas probably said no behind the yeah. scenes so the players wouldn't find out and be mad.
0: <laughs> well, Scott, good, good talking to you, man. Yeah, likewise. Get Cheers. Cheers.
1: So whether you're looking to buy or sell, just go to Cars.com. It's magical.